morning. It's so wonderful to see everybody here today. I love being able to kind of wash across the room here, look side to side, and see all of your wonderful faces. This morning, um, this afternoon, actually, that's hard to get used to. Today, today covers all time, anywhere in today. Uh, I want to start with, um, actually, my title, title page, if we can start with that. My title this morning for us, you know, our song, the first song we sang kind of introduced it. We talked about being thirsty, our soul being thirsty and coming to drink at the well, referring to, well, there's a couple places in scripture with the well. I'm going to go to one of those places this morning, uh, but <clears throat> the well representing a place where we can come and drink of the spirit of the Lord. Uh, it's one that never empties. And so uh, this morning, I want to speak to you about, or today, I want to speak to you about the desert the well, and the faucet. And I have a question that I'm going to begin with. You can, you can talk to your neighbor if you want to while uh, I ask the question or after I ask the question, or just think and answer it in your head this morning. But we're going to answer this together. If someone asked you why water is important, what would you tell them? How would you answer that? Probably have some answers coming to mind right now. And uh, I'm going to list a few. I'm going to be honest. I got the answer to my question, the answers to, to this question myself when I was uh, teaching my six-year-old daughter this week. Uh, we've done homeschooling this year, something I never thought I would dive into, but I have, uh, considering the... Um, COVID and all of that that it's been going on, I kind of began that, and so now I'm the teacher and I have to have curriculum. So out of the curriculum this week, we were talking about water and its importance. And so here are some of the things. I know there's probably m many more answers that we could all think of together, uh, but here's a few that were listed in, in her curriculum book and that I talked to her about this week. We talked about it. So... Uh, uh, we talked about how important water is. I told my daughter, I said, you know what? Water is actually even more important than food to eat. You gotta, you'll die faster not having water than you will not eating food or become dehydrated faster than you will uh, uh, become uh, hungry if you were to take a few days of no eating. And so... We read a fact that the human body is about 60% water. Uh, water in our bodies, it's, it's, in, it's uh, in our brains, it's in our muscles, it's a part of our cells, it's even in our bones. And so water is not only essential for human life, we talked about how water is essential to any type of life, animal life, plant life, the gardeners in the room. You know how essential water is, especially in some of the hot weeks we've just come through with no rain. My, well, my lawn never looks that great, but my, my potted plants, oh, they were looking so pretty. I have these purple somethings, because I don't know what's in them, but, but I have these purple somethings, and they were so pretty and flourishing, and, 
and I had these yellow mums, I do know that one, and I had, and they were so pretty looking, and a couple days went by, and I have them kind of sitting in front of my front door, and a couple days went by, and I started noticing, I'm like, because I have them outside, I do have indoor plants, and I should probably just put them outside. They'd probably get more water outside than they do. In, but anyway, and it hadn't rained in a few days, and they kind of they sit under the shade of a little tree by my front door, but the tree's not that big, and so the sun shines on it a lot of the day, and so they were looking a little parched because we hadn't had much rain. So I thought, well, they'd look like they need some water. I should, I should do something about that. So the gardeners in the, in the room know the uh, essential of water to keeping plant life blooming and thriving and beautiful. Any animal lovers, you know, you know that when you're walking down uh, the shopping mall or an outdoor mall in the summertime, you, you see those conscious business owners um, who put a little bowl of water outside the front of their store because they know people walking by, they probably have their animals walking with them and they're conscious of the fact that animals get hot too, just like we do. And we usually carry our bottled water, but what do they do? So, you know, animals, plants, people, we need water, it's essential for life. Um, water is essential for uh, keeping healthy. It's, it's essential for health. It keeps us well. You know, we practice good hygiene with the use of water, brushing teeth, washing our hands and our bodies, and hopefully in showers, and generally keeping our homes and our spaces nice and clean uh, by using water to wash away germs and things that can spread. We also uh, talked about uh, with my daughter this week that water provides recreation. That was probably the one she liked talking about the most. So water slides, water parks, sprinklers, water balloons. We swim in pools, in lakes, in rivers, in oceans uh, in the summer months when we can do that. And so we talked about how the earth is mostly uh, made of water. Anybody have a guess at how much of the Earth's surface is actually water? Oh, yes! Her book said 71%. That seems really specific, but I, A plus, 70%. That was as close as it's going to get. Um, so 71% of it is, is covered in water. And most of it is actually not drinkable water because it's mostly salt water, but through a purification process called desalination, I hope I said that right, desalination, um, in which the water is removed, or the salt is removed from the water, salt water can be made into drinkable water. And so that was a new vocab for me, desalination, and then I had Juliet spell it. I was just kidding. <laughs> We're not there yet. She can spell some things, but um, <clears throat> desalination. So, that's what I learned this week about water. It was kind of fun thinking through that. And I'm sure that there are a lot of other reasons that water is important that might be bubbling up in your mind, springing forth in your soul. That was... Thank you. Thank you. That wasn't even in my notes. Um, it can be pretty clever, you know? So <clears throat> I want us to keep this in mind, our discussion of water at this point, as we turn to the scripture this morning. I'm going to be turning to two, two biblical stories, and the first one is found in Psalm 63, verses 1 through 5. I will be reading. 
And may I have my picture of, oh, nope, you know what, let's have the scripture up there. And after the scripture, may I have the picture of the desert. And so, Psalm 63, 1 through 5 says, O God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My, thir- my soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your powerful glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. So in this beautiful psalm, Psalms is such a beautiful book to read, uh, but in this particular psalm, which has been turned into a contemporary uh, Christian song. Have you heard of that, that song that talks about my soul thirsts for you? It uses the, the first few lines of that verse. Um, oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. So it's been turned into a Christian uh, song, but this psalm is credited to King David. Um, and it's important for us to know a little bit of the background about this psalm when he wrote it. In fact, he wasn't quite king yet. Uh, But let's look at a few uh, things about when David wrote this psalm. So in verse 2, and I have that on my other page here, so let me read that. Verse 2 says, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. And the title of this psalm tells us that David, he, he wasn't in the tabernacle. He wasn't in the sanctuary worshiping God when he wrote this psalm. In fact, in your Bibles, in the little header, you probably see that it says that David was in the desert or he was in the wilderness of Judah. And so he wasn't in the peacefulness of the sanctuary when he wrote this psalm, although he was remembering that. He was in a desert place. And most commentators believe that it was written by David when being hunted in the wilderness uh, by King Saul before David became a king. And if you're unfamiliar with the relationship between King Saul and David, King Saul hated and was jealous of David because God spoke through the prophet Samuel and told him that he was going to anoint a new king for his people and King Saul, because King Saul had rejected God's instructions time and time again. And so King Saul, out of his jealousy and his hate, he foolishly tried on several occasions. If you read it in scriptures, you'll see it was more than once he tried to hunt uh, David down and have him killed to thwart God's plans. But we know that never works out well, does it? And he wanted to have him killed, and although unsuccessfully, uh, because God had other plans for David. And so you can read that story, that part, that relationship in 1 Samuel chapters 23 and 24. But let's come back to Psalm 63. So David is in the desert wilderness. And we know what it must have looked like around him because of the description he provided in the psalm for us. 
He said it was, it's a dry, it's a, it's a land that was leaving his mouth parched from thirst. And there was no water around in a desert. There's, there's no water around to quench your thirst, or very little. That's why deserts don't have a whole lot of plant life or greenery. It looks more like that picture. And as I look at it, I just want to take a sip of my water. I, I'm sorry, this is teasing. We do have a water thing back there. You need to go fill yours and get a sip because that makes me thirsty. So it looks pretty dry. And um, so, but David is using, he, he uses his physical need for water that could not be remedied in that moment when he was writing, uh, penned it. But he uses his physical need to describe his spiritual need. His soul was thirsting for God the way he was thirsting for that water to drink. But unlike his physical need, his soul's thirst could be quenched in that very moment. As he prayed and would reach out to God in his desert place. That dry desert reminded him that the worst thing that could happen was to be a thirsty soul. Without water, living things grow weak, just like my plants outside that didn't get the rainwater. They grow weak and, and faint. And David noticed that as he looked around at where he was, and he noticed that it was the same for a soul without the presence of God. So I had just brought out my, my bottle of water here. I didn't really plan to actually have a bottle of water up here today, but I brought it because sometimes, you know, you get a little tickle in your throat and you're in the microphone and you can't just cough in the microphone, so you got to drink some water. Uh, but I do have my bottled water here, and I wonder if, if who in here gets particular about the type of water bottle, bottled water that they drink. Now, my husband, Arash, isn't real particular at all because he just drinks tap water. He just, we buy bottled water all the time, and he never, ever, ever drinks it. I noticed it. He just drinks tap water as if to tell me, I can drink tap water. And it's like I'm, you know, extra or something just because I want bottled water. But, um, you know, some of us have our particular brands we like because of the way it tastes. Some of us like it because of the price. This looks like it came from Aldi. I probably bought this not because I think, oh, pure aqua has the best flavor or the best, you know, ability to quench my thirst, uh, but because of the price on it. I pro that's probably why I bought it. But some of us really do have particular uh, brands of water that we like. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's that particular brand that you want to purchase at the store because you just know when you start drinking it, it's going to quench your thirst. Well, that's what David was, you know, was thinking about in this psalm was only God can quench the thirst of my soul. He knew that about his relationship with God. And so this morning, if if you find that your, uh, your soul is thirsting this morning, this afternoon and day and day, it's a good place, this is a good place for you to be. If your soul is thirsting, this is a good place for you to be. Amen. Because all of us in this room at one point found that only God alone can satisfy our thirst, the thirst of our souls. 
the other things that we've tried before. You can think about it where you sit in your chair right now. The other relationships. Maybe it was success. Maybe it was wealth. Maybe it was substances. Maybe it was something like hate. Maybe it was food. You name it, those other things may have quenched your thirst and my thirst for a while. But soon, we become thirsty again. And I hate it when I grab a drink. You know, I don't really drink much more. People know, if you know me, you know I'm a coffee lover. But other than that, I drink water. I just soda and all the juices and all that just, I, I just don't really crave those things. But the worst thing is when you grab a drink and you're so thirsty and you just start drinking that and you're just waiting to feel, you know, that it's quenched and, and that, that uh, you know, satisfied with the, but it just leaves you thirstier. And you drink that whole can of Diet Coke and you're like, I need water. And so that's the worst feeling when you keep going for something that is not satisfying that thirst. And so if you're here today and, and you haven't, it hasn't quite yet been revealed to you that your soul's thirst is desiring that relationship with God that we read about in the, the psalm today and that uh, so many of us have experienced, it's okay because scripture tells us that those who seek will find. And I believe that your soul can find what it's truly desiring today. That's all right. Give a hand clap to the Lord. He's the one that fills it. Thank you, Jesus, for that promise today. Thank you, Jesus, for that promise. So thankful we have the scriptures to stand on and rely on, and it's an unchanging word. Or maybe your situation today. Has you looking around at a dry desert, so to speak, you find yourself in the place like David did, looking around at his surroundings, at the dust, and just that thirsty, parched, uh, you know, part of his mouth is exaggerated in his mind because he just looks around at this dry desert situation. And it was in this psalm we read that it was David's soul that thirsted for God in the desert place. He knew it could only be quenched by the presence of God, which he had felt in the sanctuary, which he was familiar with in the sanctuary. Uh, the verses 1 and 2 said, My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. And so David didn't allow that desert place to cause him to believe that he couldn't access the presence of God because of the place he was in. Amen. He, that same God that he met, that met him in the sanctuary, when he worshiped in the sanctuary, in, a, in an environment that is, you know, it, it's more pleasing to you than being in a desert place. But that same God can be accessed in that desert place. And that is our reminder this morning from Psalm 63 and David's words. Amen. I'd like to ask for my picture of the well. We're going to turn to my second biblical story at this point. I'd like us to turn to John chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 5 through 15. This is 
Uh, John chapter 4 talks about the story of an encounter between Jesus and a Samaritan woman, or I'll probably refer to her as the woman or the woman at the well. Because their conversation uh, in this chapter happens around a water well. And so let's read those verses together. It says, eventually he came, he meaning Jesus, to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water soon will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. In this story, the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, meets Jesus Christ. And, you know, I assume perhaps maybe she's heard of him before or heard of the, the, the prophet, the teacher that called himself Jesus. But I assume she'd never met him before. And Jesus had traveled specifically to meet her at this well where she daily drew her water from. In our previous example, we read about David uh, who, had who had an established relationship with God and now we're looking at a story here of a woman who meets Jesus now for the first time. And so the story continues that Jesus begins talking to her, and, and he kind of knows a lot about her. We didn't read the whole passage. We didn't read the whole chapter. But as you read more of the chapter, Jesus starts talking back and forth with her, and she's got some theological knowledge. She's, she's discussing things back and forth with Jesus, and Jesus is revealing a lot to her about her specific things about her life that he couldn't have possibly known had he never met her before. And so uh, he starts talking to, to her about a, a lot of facts about herself. And for the purpose of today, I want to focus on the fact that she was an outcast from her community and that she had lived a very lonely life because of this. This is why she was at the well alone when Jesus met her. Because the rest of society, it was a nice social gathering. They got to come together at a 
a different time where you could mingle, chit-chat, you know, it was, uh, it was their barber shop or it was, it was their coffee cafe, it was their small group, you know, whatever. But they got some time together, the rest of the community did, and this woman was told, you're not welcome at this time, but you can come when, when the rest of us uh, aren't getting our water, you can come when it's available um, at a different time, you just can't come when all of us are together, we don't want you here. And so, but that was a perfect opportunity for Jesus. Good thing she was alone because Jesus wanted her alone. The scripture says he had even sent away his disciples so that he could, he was traveling with them and he sent them, you know, into the village to get food. They probably were like, wow, Jesus is just so conscious of the fact that we walked a long time and he's just such a kind teacher and he's just concerned that we get our food and sustenance for the, for the next trip on from here. What a nice man he is. And really, he was like, I don't need you guys here. You're going to mess this up. So I just want to get alone with this woman. And so, you know, I need to meet her. We need to talk without these guys interfering. And so Jesus is kind the way he works with us. And so uh, he is, you know, <laughs> he was kind both to the disciples and he was kind to the woman. And so, um, as Jesus talks to her, she realizes, you know, this, this stranger, this strange man, he kind of knows, he knows a lot about me. And, and she's, she's trying to understand him at the same time. Because their whole conversation, as we read in, in uh, the opening of those scriptures, was taboo anyway. He uh, was a Jew, she was a Samaritan, and she was a woman. And they were not supposed to, this conversation was not supposed to be happening. Because uh, on top of those things, she was also the social outcast. Uh, her reputation in her community made her an outcast. And um, so this, this whole conversation shouldn't have been happening anyway. So she's trying to understand. He's talking to me and the things he's talking to me about and the things that he's saying about himself. He's the living water. He's, he's the Messiah that our ancestors have spoken of. She's trying to figure out this man. And, um, but here we are, Jesus talking to this woman, and as they're talking, and as we read in the verses uh, that we just read through, he offers her something, something that's available to all, capital A-L-L, even her. And in her current life situation, she was rarely ever included in the all. Notices went out in her community for the harvest party, but it, one didn't show up on her door. Notices went out in the community for uh, a big community event fundraiser, but she was never invited. All are welcome, but she knew that that all never really meant all because it never really included her. But Jesus uh, offered her something that he would offer to all and does offer to all. And so I just wonder if you've ever felt like, if there's somebody here, if you've ever felt like you were the exception to that word all, like this woman was so many times in her life. And it's funny because the word all, if you don't mean all, then don't say all on your flyer or invitation. 
If we don't mean it here, then we probably shouldn't have it twice on our wall. Uh, so let's hope that that is, you know, we are striving for that to include the all. But it's funny that when we say all and, we, and, and then there's exceptions, well, that, that, but that's not what all means. All means there are no exceptions. And we're not very good at that uh, most of the time. But um, at some point, some of us here, or maybe all of us, myself included, could think of times when in all didn't include ourselves, that we were the exception just like this woman. But in Jesus' case, the all meant the all. And Jesus offered this woman something that he offers to all. He offered the woman at the well something that only he can offer to all. In verse 10, it says that he said that he offered her the living water. And so this woman being a, a woman that, you know, this was her job to go to the water, uh, to the well every day. It was a daily task. She probably didn't need a reminder on her phone to say, go to the well and get water today. It was what she did every single day. She understood the necessity of water or else she would say, uh, I can push that task off to next week. But not possible. You need water. It's a daily, daily uh, necessity of her life. And so she understood how important water is. So when she understands how important water is to quench your thirst. And so when Jesus offers her this living water through this invitation into relationship with him, that came with a promise and we read it, it said that he said, you'll, you'll never thirst again if you drink of this living water I have to offer you. And that caught her attention. It would catch mine, wouldn't it? It would catch yours. What, what do you mean you never thirst again? Like we have to have water every day. How do you go on without water every day? So it caught her attention. And, and, and at first she thought it meant literal thirst, literal quenching, literal thirst. Oh, I'll never thirst again. Like, I'll never get thirsty again. I'll never experience thirst again. And for her, that was just the golden ticket. Being the outcast in her society, awesome. I don't have to come to this well. That reminds me that I'm the exception. That well, every time she walked up and saw it in the distance and knew why she was going there at that time. She was the exception, and it was just the reminder of that, and that never feels good, does it? That's not satisfying, but what was satisfying was good. I don't have to see that well again. I don't have to be reminded on a daily basis of my worth and my value to my community and the, the place where I spend my time and the people who don't accept me. And so all that sounded so good. And, but after her encounter with Jesus that day, there was a new symbol attached to that well. You know, there was that, I, I mentioned before, she, had, she was having some theological discussion with Jesus. She, at some point when you read that passage, you see the shift. Oh, now she's understanding that living water isn't going to quench her physical thirst. She understood that that living water was coming from the voice of the Messiah, and he was offering her that eternal life and that salvation uh, to her. 
And that shift occurred in that, in, in that chapter. And so after her encounter with Jesus that day, that well meant something different. It stood as a different symbol to her in her life. And I'm sure that the, the woman had to continue to go to that well on a daily basis, even after meeting Jesus, because, well, she was still alive and breathing, so you still need water. And so she'd go, and, and it, now as, as she saw that well in the horizon, it had a new symbol. Uh, her soul's thirst for truth had been quenched, and she never had to thirst for that truth again. Amen. That's Jesus' promise to us as those today who are thirsty souls for truth. This is the same promise that he offered to the woman he offers to all of us today. Amen. Your soul doesn't, can be quenched. Your, what your soul is desiring can be found today in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, you know, so, so this transformation occurred after meeting Jesus, after her meeting Jesus. And that symbol, that well was this different symbol, stood for that different symbol in her life. And so now every time that, that she dipped her cup into that well to get water to quench her physical thirst, she was reminded that she has access to that living water every single day. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for that access to the living water every single day. She just was that exception that she'd always been. She's now been included in an all. I'm just so thankful for that message of Christ that stands against the, the message in our, in our lives and in our communities. Amen. We just thank you, Jesus. And so somebody today needs to know that. That no matter who tells you that the gospel message of Christ doesn't include you, that that's simply not true. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is for all. And that includes you. It included her. Thank you, Jesus. And we can just praise him for that truth right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus, for that truth. Thank you, Jesus, for that truth. Hallelujah. We worship you, God. Hallelujah. We worship you, God. Praise the holy name of Jesus. Thank you for that opportunity, God. Praise your name, Jesus. We receive your word, God. Oh, 
hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord, we just respond to your word this afternoon, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Please don't allow the uh, continuing, uh, just for a few more minutes as I wrap things up, if you feel to respond to the Lord and his presence, feel free to do that right in your place. You don't have to wait for the wrap-up. But I do think there's a couple more things here to be said before we all can turn together and respond to the word this morning. But please don't feel uh, squelched right now. Go ahead and, and respond if you would like to. Praise God. Now, if we could just turn back to a couple facts about water for just a minute. You're probably familiar or heard of or maybe even been a part of the humanitarian efforts across the globe that build wells for towns and villages uh, that don't have access to clean water because of the basic belief that everyone deserves clean water to drink. Back to John chapter 4. The chapter concludes by saying that after her transformational experience with Jesus, the woman goes back to her village and tells the village people, eh, the village people, yeah. She tells the village people, who weren't her friends, by the way, but she shared the uh, message with her. Oh, thank you for my waterworks coming this way. And this way. Uh-oh. That's not water, is it? Uh, but we're think but uh she goes to her village to offer the living water that Jesus had extended to her to the people who, you know, excluded her all the time. Which she shared the message with them because she couldn't help but make it her mission to help others know that they can have access to this living water the same way that Jesus offered it to her and give them the message, listen, your thirsty soul it won't ever thirst again if you believe what I was just told uh, and I just experienced. And so she went back to her village and shared that. And just like those efforts around the world from those of us who have clean water to drink and access like that, it, 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 you just snap your fingers, you can get a bottle of water, you can get water out of a faucet, and we're going there in just a second. Um, she went and shared uh, with the people of her village, of the truth of the living water that they also had access to. And so I see that part of the story as an encouragement to us today to encourage others around us in our lives, our, our jobs, our schools, our, even here amongst each other, encouraging one another to that what your soul is desiring and what your soul needs is the living water that Jesus Christ can offer. You know, I, I know that I don't have to ask this afternoon if we have thirsty souls among us. Anywhere we are in our walk with God, our soul thirsts for him. That's what keeps us turning around to him rather to some of the old things or maybe some new things that we want to turn to in times in our life, that thirst in our soul, once you know truth, you turn and you never have to thirst again, just like the scriptures say. But we thirst for that connection. 
We thirst for tapping into where the living water flows from, and that's in the presence of God. And so all of us truly, really are thirsty souls. Of course, those who don't know Jesus in this way today, yes, you're a thirsty soul, and your soul desires that relationship. And uh, I pray and believe that, that you can find him in that truth. But for others that uh, are Lord, like David, and you know where to go to find and quench your thirst today. Those, these times are when we turn and we're reminded that he is the source. And I have a picture up here. This is kind of my uh, modern day desert reminder uh, or well reminder as it existed for the woman, the well reminded the woman that the living water she had access to on a daily basis the desert reminded uh, David that his thirst can be quenched by being in the presence of God. I'm suggesting that a water faucet be our reminder. That accessibility, the water that flows, we just don't even think about it. We go to where, we go find a faucet, we turn it on, the water flows. That's the access we have to Christ today. So if you would, amen, let's stand. Let's stand if, if you want. You can find a place. The altar is open for those who are comfortable with coming down to the altar. Uh, you can find a place where um, you allow your, your soul's desire to be quenched. If you're not quite sure what your soul desires, give Jesus a chance to quench that thirst. But scriptures told us that you'll never have to thirst again. Jesus is so accessible to us. His spirit is accessible and readily available to anybody who desires and will reach out this afternoon to quench your thirsty soul. If you're in a desert place today, don't take that as a sign that the, the presence of God you have felt in the sanctuary is uh, the only place you can feel that. God is in your desert place and he is accessible. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this reminder today. We thank you, God, that our thirsty souls, God, it's forgiveness is available.